Welcome back to yet another episode of the Millennial Crisis Podcast. Today, I have a chat with Conchetta Cariso, who is a comedian, content creator, podcast host, and just an all-round hilarious and incredibly gorgeous woman. I am so excited to bring you today's conversation. Today, we talk about exploring your curiosities, the importance of giving yourself time to discover who you are and what you like, the internal pressures we put on ourselves to succeed. I would like to add a little trigger warning here to let you all know that in today's episode, we will be discussing Conchetta's experience in growing up in a household with domestic violence. She gives us such incredible advice today, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode. So let's jump straight into my chat with Conchetta, episode 45 of the podcast. It's never too late to try something new. Hey, Conchetta, thank you so much for joining me on the Millennial Crisis podcast today. I'm so stoked to be able to chat to you today. Thank you, Demi. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. Now, I start off every podcast episode in the most basic way because I think it's important to get these things out of the way to start off with. And that is, what is your name, age, and what are you known for or what do you do? Amazing. My name is Conchetta Caristo. I am 26 years old. And what I do and what I think I'm known for is doing comedy so being a comedian I do stand-up and improv and just like be a funny loser all over town (laughs) I love that and what an incredible job description to have (laughs) funny loser yeah that's on my resume yeah amazing (laughs) I, I wonder getting into a space like comedy and kind of I guess a a job role space where a lot of people are like unachievable the only a few people get there la la Mm. la don't waste your time pursuing something like that was it hard to be able to tell people hey I'm a comedian yeah (laughs) Yeah. there was so much shame so much like embarrassment of like having a dream and saying it out loud and telling people god I've had millions and millions of times I wanted to die like talking to strangers talking to family like absolutely that is a real thing but I guess yeah like it would really suck there was this time where I had to realize like what am I doing and I think in therapy my therapist was like you have to own it like you have to let go of guilt because there's also a guilt element for like letting down my family and blah 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 but then the other half of it is just being like yeah I'm a comedian and I'm taking a risk but I believe in myself like Yeah, it's like a whole bunch of things that I try not to think about too much. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's funny. It's not just like those creative jobs. It's Mm. any person who is doing something or pursuing something that they love that I find has this issue. I have it myself. I Mm. can't, you know, say that like um, whatever, I'm a founder of a community or anything like that. Like I have trouble saying anything along those lines or even calling myself creative because I'm like oh that's not who gave me the I'm uh." (laughs) but um yeah I just think it's so interesting it is don't you think that's so millennial though like we are not in the age of like I am a doctor or I am a like it's not just one thing anymore so in my head we're actually part of like a giant wave which is like people do whatever the hell they want it doesn't matter if you think it's cool or whatever like people are making millions of dollars on like OnlyFans and Twitch and shit it's like who cares? Just this is the time to do whatever you want to do because you can kind of make it work if you work hard and you're good enough, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And it's, it's one of the things that I think uh, over the research that I've been doing on millennials, the thing that sets us apart is that we are that limbo generation, right? We grew up essentially with the internet disrupting us and then making these things reality. Whereas mm. if we grew up the generation before we like which begins that like conflict in our own minds of like is this a real thing yes and I do it and then the people who taught us and were our mentors and guides whether it's structurally or family concepts and stuff like that were telling us like "Hmm, I've never heard of that it's not it's not that's not that's not a thing yeah exactly (laughs) 
um, which is which is one of the things that I think uh, we have in common is that we grew up in that wog kind of mm. group, right? Yeah. That, that ethnic background, and I think it's heightened in those areas as well whether I mean I have it the same with my Asian friends with my Middle Eastern friends Mm -hmm. like yeah they've all got that area of like no 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 you're going to uni you're getting a degree this is the education path you're taking how did you find growing up because I know there's a lot to your your story (laughs) well it totally shaped it a lot and I was the eldest daughter I'm one of two And my whole vibe is like, I guess it's still part of me now, but people pleasing. Like I just wanted to make everyone happy, no conflict, make everyone proud, like that kind of thing. So going up through school, like, yeah, I remember Demi in kindergarten, I have this memory and I wish I could um, talk to my kindergarten best friend, Simone Habib, and she would confirm this. But I remember I had it drilled in my head that like I had to focus on school and boys were the boys were a big distraction that I couldn't have that when like my crush or like some young boy in kindergarten was like, I like you. I was like, no. And then me as a mom would be like, no, we have to focus on school and studying and like boys are stupid. Like, isn't that insane to have it drilled in from then? I just, yeah, it was a big thing all the time of, um, yeah, of being the good Catholic Italian girl who went and visited family. And it's like, how is school? And you're like, yes, it's good. And you speak a bit of Italian and you look all prim and proper. And I remember people would say to me, oh, she's because I, I don't know, I guess I was a bit of a talker or like was eloquent or something. And they'd be like, oh, wow, she's going to do law. And then I started doing debating. And so you have this whole um, wave going ahead of you and I'm just like sure okay whatever anyone thinks mm-hmm. and um, yeah so then it started to break down when I guess I uh, by year 12 I feel like I really was getting burnt out and I was had this plan to like do economics but did I even know anything about it or like anything about it no so yeah it's, it's it was this real like untangling who I was from like who I was supposed to be and what people saw for me or yeah, absolutely. I had to have literally years of therapy to talk about dropping out of uni and doing my own thing and what that would mean for my family and myself. So I totally know what that is like, but it's very hard. Yeah. It's, it's so, as you're speaking about all that stuff, I'm like, that was so similar to me right and I think anyone listening who grew up in that similar kind of like background feels the same Mm. and I wonder did you have a lot of ethnic friends or did you have a lot of like Aussie kind of friends where their parents had a totally different outlook I think I had a bit of both my father I think especially was like you should be friends with wogs he was like it is good to be friends with people who are like you and I did like my high school group in like year 11, year 12 were like wogs as well. So I guess they got it. But also growing up, like my best friends were Aussie and they found me different, you know, which is so weird yeah. to say, like, you know, I'm just Italian, I'm just a white girl. But also going through school, I like my best friend, Anna, who's still my best friend to this day, we called us we played tennis together and we were a doubles partner duo and we called our team the Australians because we she was like you and I are so different and like you know when we talk about what we'd eat for dinner she just like I just have meat and three veg all the time and I'm like what are you talking about I have like tortellini and I'm having lasagna and then I'm having like all these different things that she had no it's like basic things like that and even more like nuanced things I definitely had both and got to see similarities and differences like I remember A big one, which I think is common for a lot of people, was my friend talking about when she was going to be kicked out or when she'd have to start paying rent. Like, you know, when you get to 17, 18, you got to start. And my family were like, it was just implicit. It was like, I'm not going anywhere. What are you talking about? Until I have a husband and we've like, you know, been together for a year and then we move out and we have the whole house. I was like, and they would say to me, like, that's crazy. If you don't love your children, you should let them stay. It was just like a totally different cultural thing that yeah I got to see how I was different to people and also similar to people and it's interesting I wonder if you were the same as me like when you're in that moment like if you go back to high school you you're like 
what is wrong with these other, the way the other families are doing things? And yeah. now for me, I look back at it and think like, oh, that was pretty fucked up. <laughs> like, like, yeah. uh, I, I was, I was educated on a lot of things in one way that are beautiful mm. and I hold mm-hmm. it now, but there was a lack of education. And you said the word shame as well. And shame yeah, yeah. in a lot of other different areas, which shaped my life in a different direction and it's that it's that it's one of the reasons why the millennial crisis is all about conversation and community because Mm. they were the two things that really helped me kind of break from that slowly I'm still adapting to it and you also mentioned therapy as well which is a big one too big yeah Uh, that shifted a lot for me as well but it's really nice to be able to hear that from you and I think for a lot of listeners who are stuck in that who DM me all the time about those same feelings is like how do I get out of it and also their friends not understanding Mm. that it's different for them that they can't turn around and say no I'm doing this course like which is what a lot of the online stuff says it's like just tell them like yeah Yeah. it's like "Mm." thanks it's just (laughs) so different yeah it's like you take into account cultural stuff but like this is your family it's like all you know growing up when you're such a kid like it would just it just shapes you so much so I feel like with maturity and time and stuff you get to unpack all that stuff which you couldn't really do as a kid if that makes sense yeah I just sort of went along and even now I'm trying to figure out like who was I as a kid what did I believe like all that kind of stuff yeah where did that transition start from you and I think one of the big things it sounds like you got into therapy quite a bit earlier like within high school would that be or was it university post no it was definitely kind of late not late I mean it depends really but I did not have it at all through school it wasn't until I left graduated school went to university we ran away we'll get to that but then I moved to Perth for a year then actually came back and it was in that year so we're talking 2015 2016 so I would have been like 20 or something 20 or whatever 19 20 21 and it was then when I started to have my first kind of like proper relationship and I was starting to see all these like issues which I couldn't understand why and then I think my mom was starting to see someone as well and she was recommended her and then I got into it let's talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about your background and that transition so yeah you've known what you're doing throughout all of school because it's been drilled into you yeah yeah, you're gonna be academic you're gonna do yeah yeah some form of like business or commerce or something like that I assume which is why a lot of the wogs are like finance accounting commerce all of those kind of degrees (laughs) right um because a lot of I don't think I don't know if there's not that many doctors I don't know they were like maybe they were like looking at us like oh you guys aren't that (laughs) great let's put you a layer lower and also more money more money yeah because I think I remember god this is like I also as much as I remember childhood I actually like do not remember a lot of it which I think is truly like uh not just a trauma thing but like your brain like protects you by like making you forget stuff so when we start to pick a little bit I start to remember things but I remember people weren't always like doctor wasn't always the first choice because it took you 10 years to be a doctor whereas if you went and did dentistry sweetie that like cut it down to like three years pop out you pop start making money like do you know what I mean it was all about the what's the best way and and that's what I think frustrated me of like being in a world of essentially if you're picking a career that's like to please other people or to seem distinguished in the way that they tell people who get 99.99. I remember them saying like, you don't have to pick the thing that matches that. Like you don't have to pick actuary. You don't have to pick doing law or dentistry just because, and that's the flip of it. I mean, that's like, if you're getting the high mark and they're like, Hey, you don't have to do the thing. Cause it doesn't mean that if you get 99.9, you need to get that. It's great. If you do, you have way more options, but I just think that's interesting. So yeah, being in that world of like, what's the career that like will make people impressed like that gets so tiring if it's not a thing that you care about so Mm. what I'm saying is like growing up and being so used to pleasing people and not really having a think about what I wanted to do meant that like I just remember being burnt out at school at the end and I always remember my dad like checking to be like are you the class clown like you're not the funny one are you because I think I would come home and tell funny stories and stuff And I said to his face, no, but in my head, I was like, yes, yes. And I 
always wanted to be school captain in school because they were always they were always like smart girls but they also were funny and who were great at saying speeches and making the whole assembly laugh and I remember wanting to do that forever so when that happened to me that meant more to me than my own HSC and do you think that mattered to my father mainly no he was like yeah that's great but that's a distraction from studying so again that was a real kick in the nuts for a little kid like me who's still trying to figure it out but I guess the like big transitional thing and which will um help people understand what was my sort of story was in amongst like having like what I thought was like you know the typical wog growing up thing I also actually grew up with domestic violence so in my head it's not that it was normal, but it's just like what I, what my life was. It was like, oh, I'm so, the only father I'll ever know is a super crazy strict one who will sometimes like beat me and stuff. And I never told anyone about it, which I think is a thing of, you know, it was brainwashed into not knowing not to tell anyone and that that's just for us. And I think I must've been so scared. And I think it led me to believe that there was no one above my dad. So really for most of my life, it was like, dad was the top of everything. I never once thought about running away or going to the police or telling a friend. So I'm growing up with this kind of thing. And, you know, just thought that would be the rest of my life of having to manage this, of having to manage my scary dad, who was also loving and funny and all those kind of things. And then in my first year of uni, I remember, Demi, I was like truly like failing my tits off. I was so but I would hide it. And I remember dad would ask me questions like, how's uni? And I'd be like, yeah, it's good. You know? And I'd say like supply and demand, you know, that's the extent of what I knew of economics, which is literally week one. And I had to pretend for eight weeks, like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, yeah, it was this conversation I had with my mom and sister on a drive to school and uni or whatever, that they were like, kind of pitched us running away. And I think they were worried that I wanted to stay because again I was the the good kid if that makes sense I was the like people pleaser the blah 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 and I was like oh no let's go I didn't know that was possible and so then long story short those those for a couple of months we were like getting ready to leave secretly kind of thing all that kind of stuff mom was in contact with a um someone from like a dv helpline from a refuge and then all of a sudden we one day up and left, disappeared, didn't tell dad, all that kind of stuff, turned our phones off, blah, blah, blah. Lived in a refuge, then made a trip, a secret trip to Western Australia to change our names and start a new life because we didn't think we could be like, hey, dad, we are sick of your shit and we are going. So, you know, it's like the most crazy way to get out of it, but it was the only way that seemed possible to us, if that says anything about the circumstances. And so from there in Perth, under a new name, I felt like I got to start my life afresh of knowing what it's like to actually do what you want, to actually wear what I want, to go where I want, to say what I want. Like, so it was this crazy time of, in my head, like starting life really late, but also in a different way. And then I was there for a year. We thought we'd be there forever, but it didn't really work out. Then I came back. That's all. It's like, there's so much to say. And then I've gone on for my life. And slowly then did I start to think, what about if I did performing? Clearly university isn't something that is I'm committing to or making me happy. Um, and so then it was this slow thing of like just making the change of dropping out and doing classes and just working. And I remember that was the biggest shame thing for me of being like, because people ask you when you're young, they're like, what do you study? And you say, oh, I'm not, I'm just working. And you immediately think they're like this dumb idiot, like what a loser, what, you just have this like mental thing. So that's sort of a, a five minute spiel of it in um, the bones of the story. Yeah, I'm, first off, thank you for sharing that. And I'm so sorry that you had to go through all of that to get to where you are today and and second of all there's one thing that you always mention which is so real for so many of us which is this idea that despite the trauma that you've been through despite the way and everyone's trauma is different everyone's like life path is totally different we get to this point where we feel like we're starting off too late you know like we come to a realization in our lives that like 
we have so much knowledge in one area of our life. We have so much growth in one particular area, mm-hmm. but the area that's lacking, like now it's too late for us, you know, because suddenly, yeah. you know, it's not okay. Even though if we're looking at the person next to us, they might be really good at that thing that we're yes. just starting out at. But the other thing that we knew a lot about, they mm-hmm. know nothing about and they feel it's too late. And I just think it's, and I, I'm caught up in it all the time. Mm. I know a lot of people listening are super caught up in it as well. And it's, it's just wild that we feel this pressure and that's um, so true. Feeling so behind in that way. That's so true. It's like, what's late to me might not be late for you, but I think I, a big thing I deal with even now is like um, comparing is always comparing myself and I think that's something that I did growing up and it's probably more work I could do into learning why but yeah it would be like watching what everyone else is doing and be like that could never be me and why isn't that me and even coming out of it you're right like I think I was chasing these this life that I thought I should have had and lots of it actually didn't fit me if that makes sense I was like oh I need to go out and like party and be crazy and like be a big slut and like do all this stuff and then I would go out and do it I'm like why isn't this making me happy and why am I like um my my hangovers mean I like diarrhea myself but everyone else just like gets a headache like why am I normal like what's going on with me this is and so I think for a while I was really like chasing this thing that I thought I'd missed out on that made me different and then I slowly got to understand it's like you there's nothing you need to chase if that makes sense you just like deal with what you've dealt with and find out what works for you so I think that's so interesting that you're like there's probably a lot of us who are like oh I'm I did this later I haven't done this and then everyone always tells you there's nothing's ever too late you just do it when you do it you know what I mean 100%. I run a lot of conversation sessions and events and stuff like that. And the two things that come up in every single one for like both millennials and Gen Z is like the comparison and now the perception oh. thing, right? Oh. And it's all on so- yeah. like it's, it's the social, social part that, that ruins. Also, it can be brilliant in so many ways. But if we don't understand that other people are yes. in the exact same position, mm-hmm. then it's like the worst thing. And it's either the most crippling thing ever yeah. or it like forces us to do the people pleasing thing and overdo ourselves and burn it's out in so some hard. Demi, my whole Instagram feed. And I feel like I'm someone who needs to have Instagram and it's probably the same for you for like your brand or your business or whatever to get yourself out there. But my whole feed is all like therapy pages and like self-love pages just to remind me because otherwise I will drive myself mental and even saying that I feel shame it feels weird to be like what like you can't stare at 500 people's amazing lives and not feel bad you stupid bitch like I can't but it's like that's normal and I'm starting to meet more people who do the same thing and it's like hey go off it's like this is a crazy thing to do of to like do the work of what it means to like not to compare and to see that everything online isn't always real and to um you know and they're like unfollow pages that make you feel bad and all I I love all that stuff it's like you need to manage those expectations and things it's hard (laughs) yeah no and we're all at different stages as well like you can still feel that guilt with it It, again it's that like guilt and shame that comes with all of that stuff I'm also like (laughs) listening to Brene Brown's book at the moment I don't know if you've yeah and she just like is talking about all this stuff at the moment like oh my god yes yes (laughs) applying it to the work I do I'm like yeah it does it happens on social it's if we're making a modern day like this actually (laughs) makes sense (laughs) here I'm thinking like yeah I'm sorry um (laughs) no but but it's awesome and and I think the the funny thing is as you're talking about your own personal Instagram feed I'm looking at your actual Instagram feed and it's the fucking best feed oh that's so nice because it's like the perfect combination like uh, why I love it is like one of the reasons that I would get frustrated with Instagram all the time is that people felt the need to create these like put these perfect photos up yeah and that was something I didn't understand first off because I just I've never given a fuck in terms of that exterior Mm -hmm. stuff like I've just post whatever whatever I want yeah um 
but then when I like began to speak to more and more people or even you'll get your friends, right, that will send you three photos and caption styles and be like, mm. oh, like which one should I upload? And so it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. doesn't, yeah. Which one do you like? Like, <laughs> like which, which one is it? Um, it it's, it's ingrained in so many of yeah. us that like yeah. we need to put out, out this perfect thing, which is insane. I wonder, yeah. I wonder for you the combination between like one, being a professional, being a comedian is still being a professional, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you. Okay, great. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that with like anyone listening and also yeah. one, being a professional and needing to like engage with like business people, brands, mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. Two, pressure to be funny and mm-hmm. real and do that stuff. And then three, like, are you allowed to post hot pictures if you're yeah. a comedian doing that kind of stuff? That's in my head all the time, every second. That They're the things that you're juggling all the time. Okay, when you were speaking, I had so many things that I wanted to say and they were all like um, batting for space in my brain. <laughs> but um, one thing was, yeah, I remember for uh, years ago, I actually active, I remember when Facebook was the big thing growing up. So yeah. like even now it feels like I'm on the cusp of millennial, whatever. But like when I was growing up, Facebook was where it was at. No yeah. Instagram. Right. Yeah. And I just remember like the pressure of when you uploaded a new Facebook profile picture, if you did not hit a hundred likes, you had to literally kill yourself. It was like, it is a bat. Like, I just remember again, the shame, the embarrassment, like it's this crazy circle. And I just realized it's the same now, but like on Instagram yeah. and it's now gone over Instagram, TikTok, blah, 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 blah. But, um, yeah, for a while I didn't have it because I was like, I don't want to have this pressure of like always looking beautiful and like blah, 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 blah. And then as I went on, you realize that like you really do need social media um, unless you're like Sam Campbell, who's like the greatest, one of the great greats. You kind of need to get your voice out, to network, to like meet people, all that kind of stuff. So then I started to embrace it. But I remember, Demi, I have this idea in my head and I made the choice that I was like, I don't enjoy feeds where they are all like, I'm perfect and beautiful and stunning all the time. I remember deciding that I was like, it feels fun to like post a thirst trap. It feels fun to like post a nice selfie. But I was like, I always want to show the other side of me being like disgusting or silly and never being afraid to like make fun of myself. So for me, really, like, again, curating your own, what you put out on Instagram, like that is its own work of like what do you want to put out there what how do you want to make your audience feel and so I realized for a while I was like I really want people to feel let let in rather than like you know I don't I don't want that I don't want you to look at me and be like oh my god like she's perfect like I hate that and maybe no one's even saying that but I just realized that that was important for me and it makes me realize why you know you've got your Celeste Barbers who blew up from to me that's like a beautiful quintessential thing of just like taking the mickey out of like how curated and perfect celebrities lives were and then she went off because who wouldn't want to be able to like laugh and be like come on like the rest of us don't look snatched every second of our lives and like you know look sexy with our tits out taking out the washing like I wanted I have roles and I feel disgusting and so I just think like if you can do that too yeah, have some nice and beautiful things, blah, blah, blah. But I also just want people to like, just be funny and silly. And I think, and also there is a pressure to be funny all the time. And sometimes I feel guilty when I'm not, or when I don't have a funny caption. And then you have the other thing of, um, what did you say? Thirst traps. Don't even get me started on thirst traps. It's like, should I? I don't know. I think, I think I can. I think I can try to be professional and also like walk this line, but it's hard. I I try to do a lot of funny posts about how I'm like, I'd feel ashamed if some of my family saw my, I don't, it's not for them. What I'm doing is not for them. And that makes it sound like I've got explicit content. I don't, I just have some nice photos of my butt, like a bit out. And even that is like, throws you into oh thinking about it all the time but I think if you try and be funny that's the most validating and rewarding thing you can do you know and it's so funny how it's different for everyone right Mm -hmm. like those those nice shots those like thirst strap style photos are the Mm -hmm. ones that make me cringe the most for myself not for anyone Mm -hmm. else but Mm -hmm. everyone else I'm like looking at them and I'm (laughs) like 
fucking yes like you look amazing I wish I would be able to post a photo like that and that's the one thing like I always whatever I do it's always like push your comfort zone level so now yeah. I've been like slowly trying to post like yeah photos so I can make sure I'm still not on like your like your level is like goals right like you have some fire photos here and I just love that they are next to like a photo of you just hilarious shots and I think it's fucking brilliant because again when you come to your feed you're like she's a real person it shows the contrast of who you are as a person which I think is is brilliant and what feeds should do is showing that we're all different types of people um mixing it up so that that's just my thing on the feed. oh that means so much I think it is I think it's brilliant I, um, I was at a gig in the Gold Coast just last week and I was in the toilets and I'd just been on and um, a girl came up to me and she was like, you don't know me, but I think your Instagram is so funny. She was like, a friend of mine recommended that I should look at your feed. And that meant more to me, Pimmy, than crushing the gig, than, do, than anyone seeing me like be funny on a stage. I was like, that means so much to me. There's something about someone just like seeing your stuff and it making them smile or laugh or just like you know that makes me just like so excited so I guess that's why you like go into the comedy realm of like you just want to do that in as many different ways as possible whether it's on stage in a movie in a book in a tweet in a blah 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 is you just want to make people um feel that but um and, and also like you said it's really personal so for you like it's just like, if you feel like you want to post signs of it, then go for it. Like you, yeah. it doesn't mean you have to post them all the time. And if I want to now post more funny or less funny or more this, more this, it's like, again, as usual, we cannot compare and we can only be like, what do I want to do? What do I want to get out of this? You know, cause you also would make content that's like inspirational and like actually amazingly help people. And that's your world of like what your, um, what's the word where you're like, what your priorities yeah a hundred percent yeah for sure and I think if there's one thing that like anyone I know we're gonna move away from the Instagram topic because I really want to (laughs) but for, for anyone listening like it's so important to stay true to what those values are for you and for that mm. to be what your feed says yeah. not what you think is going to work or all yeah. that because that's where you're going to feel like what you mentioned earlier about like you becoming school captain or a house captain and that being like the best thing ever to you but mm. the people around you weren't or your dad wasn't celebrating yeah. that thing he was celebrating something else mm. it's the same goes for a feed right if you're posting this content and people are liking it it's going to be empty but then you post that one thing that means a lot to you and no one likes it and you're like why the fuck like yeah. actual good stuff nobody wants mm-hmm. but it takes time to build in that's that it so i think that's it, it yeah it's it's um it's interesting mm. now um let's talk about i guess that you've 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 gone through this huge transition and and Mm. you're starting over and and all of that kind of stuff where do you start rebuilding because I know that there's a lot of people listening right now that one feel as though it's too late for them to start over and would almost like look at the idea of being able to move away and start fresh and start new as like a almost like a dream to them Mm. no matter what like Obviously, yeah. their realities are totally different to what your experience is, but it's that feeling of being trapped in the life that you're currently, yeah. right? Yeah. What, whatever capacity that is. How does the comedian Conchetta come out? <laughs> Great question. I remember that I decided to, again, it was like uni. So in Perth, I had to enroll in a university, but I made it more like, actually, I did law and journalism, lol. So it wasn't, I wasn't yet being like arts, but I did decide I was like, I'm going to try doing a, an acting course or something. So I enrolled in like a whopper short course for acting. To me, that was like a first, my first tangible step of like going into the creative arts. And oh my God, I mean, was I bad at it? And I did not enjoy it. And I was like, what is going on? Like, why is this so hard? Why am why aren't I obsessed with reciting Shakespeare? Like this is crazy. And so again, there's this thing of expectations and not meeting these expectations that you um, make for yourself. I think that year, while being someone else, like I was being me, but I was being someone else. I got to like 
try to like make lots of new friends. And I tried like doing different things. Like I remember I went to a, I think it was like Groove in the Moo. Mm -hmm. And I remember like the girls I were with were like hot, cool, pretty girls. And they like did drugs. And again, I had one of the worst times of my entire life. See, I was like, I'm supposed to love being crazy at a music festival. Why am I enjoying like standing in the mud and cold and I'm watching a music that doesn't sound as good as when I listen to it on Spotify. Hmm. And I'm like <laughs> in the car and the girls are all made. like, it was just like, <laughs> and I started to go on dates. Like I went on dates with random people like a guy asked my number on a train and I was like this is amazing I'm gonna go on this date and then I went on the date and he like could barely speak English and he was he was like I'm used to driving a car on the other side of the road with the others and I was like thought I was gonna die and like I just had all these experiences that I built up to be like this is gonna be amazing but they always felt short and um I think that led me to be really like frustrated and, and like putting all this again pressure, which I didn't really need to be. Um, and then again, coming back home and then having to like, you know, deal with the repercussions of disappearing and friends have moved on and like, you know, who were my friends at the time. So there was that year of like trial and error of like being crazy. But then the real like conchetta, I guess, started to come out when I came back to Sydney and um, I got to reconnect with like my close friends again, started to like try uni again, but it wasn't really working. And then that's when th maybe therapy was started to come into the fray, which was talking about like, it made me look at what my past was like, because I came into it being like, so I have this boyfriend and he's amazing, but like, I keep getting angry and jealous and like, you know, we're just fighting and I'm fighting and it's all me. And so can we just like fix that so I can just keep going on with my life? And she was like, okay, well, let's talk about your dad. And I was like, mm, why do we need to talk about him? Like he's out of my life now. He doesn't hit me anymore. I should be perfect. And she was like, let's talk about the PTSD and anxiety and depression that you have because of this, that you have to unpack. And I was like, whoa. So then that was getting to learn about myself. So if I'm trying to help people of like, where did I start? I guess it was like, that's a good thing of like therapy or introspection and looking into how you're going, what you're doing, all that kind of stuff. Another thing was, um, yeah, I think I thought I had to have lots of friends and specific type of friends, but in the end, like the friends that I held on to, there was only a small few um, and who are still my friends to this day. There's no right or wrong how many friends you're supposed to have, but just like realizing who I felt comfortable with and, you know, who I liked and stuff like that. Another part was, yeah, of in this acting, then I did a Bachelor of Arts and um, business. So then it was like that was, you know what I mean? It got less and less business as I went in my three degrees and I was in this acting class, again, not really enjoying it for whatever reason. And the funniest guy in the class said to me, he was like, oh my God, you're funny. Like you should come do improv or like theater sports at Sydney uni, which was a different uni. And I just like, was like, okay, yeah, cool. Because I really liked this person and found they were so funny. I just like took a chance. And I remember going to one and I was so like nervous and uncomfortable, but then I started to like, I don't know, maybe enjoyed a bit and from there, I started to do more and I got to meet more people who were like maybe more like-minded, which was the first time, you know, and then, and then I started to, yeah, talk about it in therapy of, of, of her being like, what would be the worst case scenario if you didn't go to university? And it was like, um, oh, my family and like my dad would kill me and like, I won't have a job or a life and blah, 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 blah. So then that sort of started me on my course for like trying to get those voices out of my head and to start realizing how, how I could start my own life and go on my own path now that like danger kind of was out of the way. And that was hard because I, I'm ha having to unlearn all these voices in my head and all these expectations put on me and also let alone it's show business. So, you know, you're taking a risk there of being like, oh, I want to perform and stuff. And then I guess I, I just started to keep going in that direction and still you can have doubts and I can be like worried or whatever, but I feel like I've come a bit of a long way from then. And um, yeah, I guess you just have to keep believing in yourself and surrounding yourself with people who make you feel like you. And that's all I'm going to keep doing, I guess. There's one thing that really stood out to me that I, sure. I want everyone to really like 
zoning on is the fact that you had your what you referred to as your trial and error year (laughs) yeah and and I want to like let everyone know that it was a year and I'm sure it was like even when you're going to the second year of like more exploration there was still a lot of trial and error there because we all have this assumption that like oh yeah I'm gonna give myself this month this month I'm (laughs) going to try a new hobby every week I'm sure I'll be able to like figure it out and it's gonna be amazing or like oh yeah I'm gonna start dating now and surely like within a month or so I'm gonna have like the man of my dreams like that's exactly how it happens right (laughs) and and I it's just like such bullshit and so I'm so glad that you highlighted that yeah it was a year and there was a lot of things where you were like yuck gross I thought Mm -hmm. that was what I wanted to do but it's actually not and like what is good what is not good getting rid of unlearning all of that kind of stuff and it's so important for us all to go through that transition no matter what age we are and I'm sure you'll go through another transition like that yes 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 Five, it ten, like you could get 10 years and you'll be like actually comedy is not for me maybe <laughs> I do want to go back to economics yeah, yeah I hope that happens I hope in 10 years that would be incredible and I become please a, you'll have to come back if the podcast is still going in 10 years and you decide to go into <laughs> economics you got to come back on you got to come back on and give us your predictions of oh my of god the world is at 2030 what yeah. the supply like, and demand supply and demand, demand. but that's so true no you're so right it was not did I end that year and I was like well I just slayed life and I now have the perfect textbook life no absolutely not and I remember having anxiety about that of like I'm now going to go home to my friends who I went um who used to know me a year ago and I should have this like amazing life story but I don't I don't have I haven't figured out what I want to do I haven't got the amazing partner or them I remember thinking I'm like I need to like have a cool haircut and like lose weight like <laughs> it's like who for who sweetie stop yeah. putting the gun to your head like there's no pressure and even now even now and I know that this won't stop but like I have to remind myself that you are supposed to make mistakes. And again, I'm a comedian. I have to perform every night and I bomb or I crush every second. Either one joke goes well, one joke goes bad. Like I just, and I read this thing in this book and it was like, you need to throw yourself into things and not be attached to the outcome. If you just make the goal that you want to gain experience and perspective and like knowledge or whatever, then you can't, like failure doesn't have to, be this big scary thing and I think it hangs over my head all the time and until I look at it and be like what are you say so afraid of like you have to make mistakes over and over and over and over again and if you maybe just shift the perspective into being like yeah you don't have to like get your life all perfect in a month like you don't have to let yourself like your plan is always going to fall in the bin you can make plans all you want but life isn't going to work like that so yeah, if people can remember that, that they're not alone and it won't ever go exactly the way they want to, you just have to make set the goals for yourself of like, how can you be kinder to yourself? And I think that's something I now know, but I didn't know then because I thought in a very singular way of looking at my life of like, my life couldn't be what it wanted because of my dad. Now he's gone. It should be exactly the way that I want it to be. Whereas it's like, Kajeta, get on the bus. Everyone's on the bus. Life is not going the way anyone wants it. You just have to like, you know, you grow with like, again, like life experience and maturity and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. All that crap that people all have been that telling crap. us for years. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure. I think that's how it went for you, but my life's a little bit different to yours. It's not sure. <laughs> it's different. Brene yeah. Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks for the recommendation. I don't know why you're on the top of the Amazon. Oh, that's why. Yeah, I feel that. Okay, yeah, Renee, cool. You probably need to listen to a little podcast by a little <laughs> me called The Millennial Crisis. Okay. Free life advice. Thanks. Um, no, no, it's 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 brilliant. And I I, I love everything you said because it is, it is, it's so, it's so true. It's it's awesome that you got to experiment in that way. And and wh- what I wanted to ask was when you did kind of come back to those those failures that you said or like um, the things that you would then put pressure on yourself to be like, I know I'm going back home now. I need to um, have achieved X, Y, and Z for my friends to feel as though I've done something. 
what did that end up doing to you? Where did you end up when you started getting into those cycles? Um, uh, you mean like the wanting to, I guess, come home and like impress people and have yeah, this so I great guess story. That pressure. When the pressure came, like when you began to put that pressure on yourself, yeah. what action or inaction did yeah. that lead to? Oh, great. Um, it, it led to a lot of bad feelings like stress and anxiety and like negative thoughts of like assuming what people would think and say how do I feel? It, it feels like, cause I think to people when I left, it was as if I died because I all of a sudden out of the blue was gone. I didn't tell my best friend. I didn't tell anyone where I was going. My father, no one knew we just up and left, which is kind of like a totally extra thing to do. And I would think about, I'm like, wow, what would it be like being on the other side of truly having no idea what's going on? So that's a crazy thing for something to happen. But then try putting on the pressure of being like, when I come back, I need to do like a Beyonce Super Bowl performance and be like, cool. Well, because I left, I now have to like show you that I'm like gorgeous and I've gotten more beautiful and I've gotten more successful and I've got my life down pat. And again, that just, I did not know what to do or how to do that. And I just remember, I, I think I just was really stressed. The one thing I did was I like, got a PT and like started to get fit because I was so depressed in winter and like put on all this weight and was like the saddest I'd ever been. And I was like, well, that I cannot go home looking like this. So that was one thing that I remember that I did. That was an like an actionable thing. But when I did come back, I remember making it about Facebook. I reactivated my Facebook and I put up this nice new updated profile picture and you can go and see it Demi it's on my Facebook all these people out of blue were like yeah it's like she's back like it was crazy (laughs) and I was like what do people think has happened this is crazy um and then I just like I don't know I just went out and saw some people and I like remember I met up with some old friends who I'm not as close with now and they like asked me about everything and I just remember feeling really like I don't know self-conscious like I didn't feel trust like I didn't feel like fully safe, but then with a few people that, again, who are still like some of my closest friends today, I just told them the truth of like, this is what happened. No, like um, trying to make it seem anything cooler or whatever than it was. And then that's all that mattered. They were like, we just care about you. We don't need all this stuff. And then, yeah, so it's not helpful to do that. And it didn't really, yeah, it didn't, nothing really kind of happened if that makes sense like no one was going to be like oh I thought you were going to be cooler or better (laughs) like people just wanted to know that I was okay and were happy to see me and that's the constant thing I can like travel to the other side of the world and change my name but the end of the day I'm just me I'm just Conchetta I'm going to be Conchetta from now till when I'm dead so I just need to figure out how to be the like a, a version with myself that I'm happy with and you know make other people happy and all that kind of stuff yeah no I it's it's two completely different situations but the reason I asked was because that feeling or that pressure that you mentioned and I'm sure everyone goes through this to some extent when they do try something new or they're exploring different things it's that self-pressure we put on ourselves to achieve something so I'd gone away um to take my first gap year at 25 and then COVID COVID hit it, right? And I had to come back home early. But the whole time there was a lot of like, because I thought in like, while the time that I was away, I had to, I just, apparently I was going to start a business, do my podcast, upskill in another thing. And then also <laughs> like travel and explore yeah. and like, you know, that adventurous person. And when you were saying all that stuff, I was like, oh my fucking God, like that was me. And all that did was put me in like a crippling space where obviously like looking back now, I obviously had a lot of anxiety, but I was like, uh, it put me like super apathetic. Like I would sit, like I would lay in the Airbnb all day because I had all these things in my head. Like, why aren't I doing all of these things? Absolutely. And, and then coming back, it was like all like people could have been happy with me traveling and they would have been like, that's fucking sick. Like, yeah, you know, but it's, and, and I'm sure anyone who's listening or who is going to go through that transition of exploring new things that that pressure, that self pressure we put on ourselves is unproductive. It's unproductive. Fuck It does not help you. You're like, it's, it's crazy. It's just that quote of like, 
do the thing and stop worrying about the end goal of it or the outcome because you're just like robbing yourself of any joy and um and then that's the other thing for the people who do judge you or want to make you feel bad and we're like oh you didn't do all those things they're get them out of your life as far away from you as possible like that's what you learn to realize it's like yeah you'll get stuff like that coming at you from all angles sometimes but it's only that you can only surround yourself with the people who get it and matter and we're like hey we're glad you had a good time boo you know you don't have to do five million things to be worthy or to impress anyone but your freaking self and with all that stuff you were saying of putting all those goals and just having crippling anxiety absolutely yes there was probably so much time that I spent just fretting and and warring and not actually doing anything and then yeah it's for nothing really and it's 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 wild that like our like your mind went to needing to achieve instead of being like I've kind of been through this shitty thing. oh my god I need to deal with that stuff <laughs> I need to yeah. like I'm okay to figure out all of that stuff because I know people listening will be like but I wasn't in her situation and you know this yeah. other stuff and <laughs> like we do compare like we can yeah. compare positives of life we can also compare like the horrors yeah. of our life and we'll be like well mine wasn't as bad or mine is worse so yeah yeah you know and it, oh it's my just God. this fucking vicious cycle but isn't it wild like looking yeah. back now thinking that like yeah you that wasn't the first place you went of your well-being and you being no. okay with what had happened no. you're like no 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 I need to achieve but in a different way now yeah it's like okay so I've like been through literally 20 years of trauma and to yeah. come out of it I need to like do this triple axle backflip and everyone be like yes and instead of being like am I okay okay I don't know if I'm okay I'm like acting out and being very upset am I okay no it's like we've got to we've got to make it all perfect and my friend always says this comparison is the thief of joy so everyone write that down I said to her I'm like I want to tattoo that on my ass let me (laughs) never forget it that comparison is the thief of joy it really is yeah a hundred percent I feel like I could have you on here for hours and we could be speaking forever totally but um unfortunately our time is running out but I have three questions that I ask all of my guests as we get towards the end of each Mm -hmm. episode and the first one that I have for you is what is the first small step you took to get to where you are right now um great question I think um hmm. there'd be two two main things it's like small acts like one was I think enrolling in an improv course, I think that just like trying something like that. Um, Same thing for when I told you, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to this theater sports class. It was just something like that was sort of what led me onto this giant snowball. And then it was the same when I was scared of stand up. Like you always find a new thing that you're scared of. And that was like after a year of doing improv and I just made myself sign up and run up and do it and it was done so that's the answer I guess any of those three could be the things that set me on this big path of doing comedy yeah I love that and I love that they're two things that one got you to like explore something different and two push you out of your comfort zone which I think yeah the only things that make change right (laughs) oh my can I say even now I'm like oh I hate that I'm scared of being out of my like my whole body's like no let's be comfortable every second of our life and never say yes to anything new and you have to honestly like parent yourself you have to pull yourself like a dog like come on we just need to do this stuff and again it becomes expectations of like if I do do this new thing I have to slay it I have to be a million and ten percent perfect at it and it's like your brain is not helping. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. And and for people that have been looking at your Instagram as we've been talking, because I've spoken about it so much, they're going to be like, no way she does. Like there are things that still scare her. That would because be it's, so Again, cool. it's that perception thing. No, a hundred percent. Because we have this assumption that because you yeah. can do X, that makes me uncomfortable yeah. or someone yeah. else uncomfortable, that they can't be worried about other stuff. So that's, so true. Um, that's a really great lesson within there as well. Uh, the second 
question I have for you is what is your biggest millennial crisis right now? And I define a millennial crisis as a privilege problem that consciously or subconsciously affects your mental health or well-being. Whoa. Um, can you give me like a tiny example? Yeah. So my biggest millennial crisis was I was in a nine to five. I was making great money. I had good friends and stuff like that, but I was doing a oh, job and work you. that like unfulfilled Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's, it's like that. Poor, it's like poor, poor me, you. but it ends up <laughs> snowballing and like whatever. Um, so it could be like that comfort zone thing, right? Like, oh no, like everything's going really well. I'm comfortable in my life. And yeah. now what's that? Yeah, I need true, something to True. Okay, that's so great. And that's a really good one. No, but um, come, come up, like, let's get a bit creative. No, um, <laughs> what? No, what um, oh my God, what the hell is my thing? Mm, mm, what is my cry? I mean, I had a similar, I know this isn't creative, but I had a similar thing like that where I was just, was like, that's it. I'm going to try to get a part-time job and I've structured, maybe this could be, I'll, I'll, I'll say this and then I have the thing. Okay. But I did this part-time job and I, yeah, same thing. You have a stable job, you're making money. But I just, I was doing hearing checks in Chatswood. Like it was just like, I hated it so much. And I was like, I just can't, I can't and I won't and I don't want to do this anymore. And then it meant that I just like could end up doing more comedy. But I'm kind of getting to the stage now where I'm running out of money. So maybe this is my millennial crisis of I need to get another part-time job, casual job. And that... I, I, my brain initially is like, oh my God, this sucks that I'm still doing this. But also it's like, it's fine and you make it work. And also putting myself out into doing a job that is bad or whatever, it just gives you more experience and things to draw on and just like life experience, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other one I think is, I don't know if this counts, but I struggle to make a routine for myself every day. And my therapist, every time I see her, is like, Jenny, you need to have a routine if you want to feel like happier in your life. And the only person that can do it is myself. And I find it so hard, Demi. So maybe that is my poor little crisis that I have like a lot of time to myself free, but I don't know how to make it a a productive kind of routine, but I'm working on it every day. I'm trying to work on it. First of all, great, both great millennial crisis. To oh, have good. Okay. Valid. Yeah. Um, there's no wrong answer with that question. <laughs> <laughs> I won't judge you. No, I'm kidding. Um, now, final question I have for you is, what is one thing you are still curious about or would like to explore? <gasps> mm, curious about, like to explore. Uh, a thing I am trying, I, I am curious and want to explore is it's the acting thing. That was something recently after, you know, absolutely bombing it back when I first started at WAPA. And I remember telling myself, like, I don't want to be a Meryl Streep. Like, I only want to be funny. Like, I don't, it's like so embarrassing to like try and be earnest and like convince. And then as I went on and I'm like, oh, it's actually awesome and a strength and not something that I'm going to totally rule out of my life, which I think is so common when you like hear, you know, all your biggest famous favorite comedians and then they do something serious and everyone's like, what the fuck? Like, just be funny. And it's like, no, there's like a power to being all the colors and the rainbow or whatever. So that is something that, again, pushed myself out of my comfort zone. And I did this like class recently, like an acting class and um, tried to strip away all the expectations and just like have a go. So I think that'll be something I want to keep working towards maybe. But I wish there was something like less like, Oh, it's related. That's like boring. Um, maybe puzzles. I love puzzles. <laughs> maybe I'll do that. <laughs> no, this is so much better. No, I love that. Brilliant. And I also love the fact that like you, you like it's not something. It's something you did and something you're revisiting because I think that's like a real. Mm. You know, there's a there's a there's that thing of like, oh, I tried that, so I'm not going to try it again. But we go through different phases of our life. Yeah. So I think it's. I think that's really cool. Good on you. Exciting. Hopefully I see some more serious like yeah. on your face. Maybe my Instagram will become really serious all yeah. of a sudden. No, I love, um, <laughs> I'd be excited to be here for the change. Um, but also I would miss the posts that you can't. Yeah. Don't worry. I'm not, worry, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to uh, box you, <laughs> but I would miss them. Um, we're here for evolutions though. Now we have the challenge left, but before mm-hmm. we get to that, I want to ask if there is something you could 
say or a message that you would want to get out to someone right now who feels as though they are stuck, who is crippled by the pressure that they're putting on themselves to be Mm. a certain way because they think that's the only way the world, their family, society will accept them. Um, Yeah. What would you say to them right now or what would you wish you could have said to Conchetta that had moved away and was exploring all of these new things? Oh, my God. Just saying that I just, like, want to hug the person. But anyways, I would say just to try and drown out the voices of other people just for a second if it takes journaling if it takes going for a walk like and make important like what makes you excited and happy and also if you don't know what that is like that's okay but maybe it's just trying to just be more in touch with yourself in my head that's the goal of life is to just know yourself more and more every day and be a friend to yourself. So if you can try and not be mean and awful in your brain to yourself, even for a second, because it can feel like that's happening from other things, like a little is enough. A little is enough. It doesn't have to be huge things all the time for anyone. Whatever you can do, if you want to write a journal or take a video or take a photo or something that reminds you that you are on this path just for yourself, maybe that will help because even I'm like, sure, like I'm doing what I think I love, but who knows if that'll change. Like all that matters is me and being in touch with myself. So please dear God, just like try it and just do whatever is important to you and make yourself happy. And, you know, I know you can do it. You just can do it. And also have friends that make you try and open up to people who make you feel more like yourself. I'm so grateful to like, people that I've met and my partner and my best friends who just like, when I forget, they can help remind me and it'll just like make me cry. Like, you know, so I think I said a million things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if that was helpful, but hopefully. No, that was super. That was awesome. Thank you so much. And I think that really spoke to like anyone it applies to so many people, I think. And, and they can talk to me. So Message important. me. I'll call you. I'll do whatever. <laughs> I'll do whatever. <laughs> you are the best. Oh, my God. You're so sweet. You have a, a challenge for mm-hmm. everyone. So after giving that brilliant advice <laughs> and that pep talk for everyone, now you guys are getting, like, anyone listening right now, you have now been guilted into having to do this challenge because Conchetta is just poured her heart out. She is giving you the best pep talk ever. You better show her, like, show what me you're worth, some okay? respect, okay, yeah, by doing this challenge. Oh, my God, I love, I love that the challenge was followed by, like, started with that because now I'm guilting people into doing this challenge, which is, which is um, brilliant. Well, this challenge is one that, piqued my interest and as like something that another comedian um her name's Taylor Tomlinson talked about like on a podcast or something and I just thought it was like I loved it and she said that the challenge is to walk around in your home if you can or your apartment or your bedroom naked get used to being naked why because you get used to your own body like get used to your own body and so it seems less like you know what I mean when people like maybe if they like have sex or something and they're like not used to showing some of their body or not comfortable with their body and I just took that and I ran with it and I was like okay you know I'm sure everyone has like dealt with like body image and all this these kinds of things and so for me I'm like what a basic way for me to just get more comfortable with my body of just like seeing it and not being shocked or scared and just being like this is who I am like I'm being in my body and you know and I'm also someone who like goes to nude beaches, which is an even further extension to that. And there's something nice about feeling comfortable in your body if you can. But if you ask my boyfriend, yes, I am always naked in the apartment. We have a big window and like sometimes the people are across sea, but I'm like, I'm doing this for my mental health, babe. And it's going off. So maybe that's a fun um, challenge for people to try of like, see what it feels like to be with yourself naked in your room or your home, wherever it's safe. I think it's oh cool. my god I love this 
Isn't this, it cool? It sounds yeah, cool. This is such a cool talent and it's so different to the other ones, but it, it sits in that same thing of like being uncomfortable to be comfortable. Yeah, why not? Um, and I usually say like, if you're doing the challenge, please film it and tag <laughs> us and let us yep, know. Yeah, guys, please film it. Um, send us a photo, <laughs> you know, let us know. Um, you don't, don't have to do that. I mean, listen, if you can, more power to you. We would love to see that anyway. Um but um this is just for you so yeah please, just DM I us. really encourage yeah I really encourage everyone to try this and I'm excited to try this as yeah, well yeah please tell me if you um, do yeah and then yeah please let Conchetta know how you found it I'm sure she would love mm-hmm. to hear your love stories to. and won't put them in a show without your no no, no 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 <laughs> also Demi tell me if you do it too I will I will them. no 100% um so if you want to check out Conchetta all of her information are going to be in the show notes and your Instagram handle is at Conchetta Worldwide which is brilliant I hope that's a stepbrothers reference or just a reference um it absolutely just, is okay great yeah. um it, <laughs> Conchetta Worldwide and you also have um an event that you're putting on in April is that right yeah yes um so on April 30th um I'm putting on a comedy show fundraiser for a domestic violence service which is called the it's the rape and domestic violence services Australia and they're amazing they're also called the full stop foundation which is like easier to just say and to remember and it'll have like all amazing big acts hosted by me with all of the profits going to this just like amazing organization who just sort of like do mind boggling work for victims of like sexual abuse or domestic violence. They have like a 24 hour, like helping they have actual like professionals, like psychiatrists and psychologists, like ready to help you. And they just do the most amazing stuff that I only just got to learn about. And um, yeah, I just wanted to show some support for them. So yeah, come to that. It'll be at giant dwarf you know, all the events will be in the ticket link, but come, it'll, it'll just go off. It'll go off. <laughs> Amazing. Well, we will put the link for that. And also we'll probably just put a link if anyone is listening to this post that event or can't get there to the foundation yeah. if they want to donate. Or donate, please. Yeah. Heard. Yeah. That will be brilliant as well. And then all of Conchetta's links will be there too, just in case, again, you're listening to this later and you still want to see if there is any shows of hers that are on. But follow her Instagram. I'm sure this has been like a huge like thing of like <laughs> vote one Conchetta worldwide. Follow her Instagram account. You're the best. But, yeah, I'm if I'm ever in Sydney or if you ever go on a tour, I'm going to be following to make sure I come to one of your shows because I, I, I would love to see you on stage stage or maybe on the big screen in future who knows how yeah it's gonna go Meryl Streep on <laughs> the screen love that. <laughs> thank you so much for being such an incredible guest honestly like I admire like your courage and the way you're so unapologetically yourself I know I said this before coming on but it is it's so admirable and I don't know that maybe you know the impact that you have on a lot of people even just watching or I'm sure going to your shows if it's anything like the way you speak or conduct yourself and add this such beautiful like way of making things funny but also speaking about real topics um it's amazing so keep being the awesome person that you are (laughs) that's the sweetest thing this meant a lot and I'm so happy to do it and to talk with you and I love the work that you do and we'll have to do it again we'll have to do like a different podcast where we just talk forever and ever and ever ever yes yes (laughs) don't say that because I will be calling you on for next season (laughs) everyone I'm like well yeah thank you so much Uh, Demi bye Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you enjoyed it just as much as I did, please share this to your stories and make sure you tag us, follow Conchetta and let her know if you do this week's challenge. Let me know as well. I'd be super curious to find out. Please also check out all of the links below. And if you would like to support Conchetta, her event or the charity in any way, all of the information will be in the show notes below. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Millennial Crisis. I will see you all next week. Bye-bye.